Hi, nonprofiteers. Welcome to Nonprofit Biz Talk with your host, Tracy V. Allen, nonprofit strategist. Nonprofit Biz Talk is about giving you the knowledge, skills, strategies, and concepts to manage, build, and grow a nonprofit organization that will positively impact the community you serve. All right. Uh, hey guys, welcome to another episode of Nonprofit Biz Talk. Today we have Brianne Myers here with us. She is a PR um, expert. So welcome, Brianne. Thank you. It's great to be here. Okay. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Brianne. Great. Um, again, my name is Brianne. I'm in Boston, Massachusetts, and I have been uh, a consultant for about five years now, focusing on strategic communications, including public relations and social media, messaging, planning, all of those things. Um, I've had a long career in nonprofits, um, mostly in public relations, uh, donor communications, and marketing. So I have a lot to uh, talk about and share with you this morning. Okay, great. All right, so let's get started. Um, so my first question to you is, why are nonprofits need to be concerned with um, public relations? Why is PR important? Yeah, I think PR is very important to nonprofits, basically because they rely on the public um, more so than other types of organizations. Uh, they need financial support from the public. Uh, they need a lot of times volunteers. They need to have good relationships with partners in the community, other nonprofits, uh, government organizations, for-profit institutions. A lot of times they maybe get funding from the legislature or they're trying to advance a particular cause or issue that they need public support for. Um, so it's really important for a nonprofit to maintain a strong uh, public image. Very, yeah, I totally agree that they need to maintain a, a very strong public image. As a matter of fact, I just did a live on that this morning about okay. making sure, yeah, making sure that you're reaching out to people in the community because if they don't right. know that you exist, then they can't donate, they can't, they can't help you, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, they, if they don't know what, what you're doing and they don't know uh, your story accurately, um, you know, another part of public relations that's important is also managing any miscommunication that's out there and making sure that your perception is positive and it's accurate and based on factual information and not hearsay or speculation. So you, you hit on something that I want to talk about. Um, how often does that happen where there's some <laughs> type of miscommunication yeah. and how does that happen? How does um, I'm sure. Yeah, there's, there's, yeah, there's <laughs> lots of, uh, I think we all, we've all seen a lot of uh, horror stories um, in the news when right. an organization's uh, image can kind of spiral out of control. Um, and it's, uh, it's unfortunate. Um, and it does happen. Um, and sometimes, it, you know, it, it can, things can take on a life of their own, especially now with social media. Um, so we have that working for us and against us. Um, so there's, you know, mis misinformation can spread like wildfire and, you know, the comment section of a Facebook page or in the comment section of a newspaper article that's online. So it, um, it can happen uh, quite often. So it's something that nonprofits really need to stay on top of um, both the online chatter and the perceptions that are out there in the community just by 
talking to folks and uh, trying to put out as much positive and accurate and factual information as possible to hopefully counteract any bad blood that's out there that may happen despite their best efforts. Okay. Do you find that a lot of times, like you talked about the comment sections of, we know about keyboard bullies. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Unfortunately. Yeah. But do you think a lot of times when people are putting bad comments in the comment section of a post that a nonprofit puts up, it's because of poor customer service or just people just want to be malicious? Uh, I think it's both. I think, you know, I I think, you know, any, any type of public uh, institution has the same problem. You know, usually you only hear from people, you know, Yelp is the same thing for restaurants. You know, you only hear, you hear that one person that one time who didn't get seated or something. Um, So it's not a really accurate uh, picture, but those things, um, you know, can take off um, of course, as, as we've all seen. Um, and so, you know, then there are the bullies. And so I always say to, um, you know, usually the, but if you have goodwill in the community, if you have a lot of positive supporters, if you have people who really do know you and your work that can really counter it, um, an organization should not engage as the organization, um, on any type of comment section of a a newspaper article or anything like that, that's getting out of control, but you would hope that your supporters can tune in. Um, and say like, oh, hey, that's, that's not really true. They don't really do that. Or, hey, I, I had, you know, they really helped me when I was down. Or, you know, you can, you can pepper in those positive comments, um, which is great. And then, you know, with um, social media, if there's things kind of getting out of control on your page, um, you know, Facebook page, for example, you know, I always say, you know, just, just focus on the factual. Um, you know, it's like, I hate these guys. They you know, we're closed when I went at six o'clock and you can say, well, actually, you know, we, we close at five o'clock every day, but we're happy to, you know, help you if you come again tomorrow at 9am or something. Okay. So just to focus on the factual and, and kind of take the emotion out of it, because people do have, um, you know, strong, strong emotions, especially if you're, you're working with, you know, sensitive populations and sensitive right. issues. Um, so you just want to focus on the factual. And again, you want to focus on uh, putting out as much content as possible about, uh, you know, your, the good work you're doing and the people you're helping. Um, and that can help, uh, that can help balance it out a little bit. Okay. And how do you, um, what is the best ways that you find um, for nonprofit organizations to put out um, those positive attributes or positive stories that they have in their organization? Mm-hmm. Well, I think we're really lucky today um, in that, you know, the media landscape obviously has changed dramatically um, in the past 10, 15 years and that um, organizations now, they don't have to sit around and wait for a reporter to be interested in their story or in their organization and then write something and then they see it in the paper the next day and, uh, and then they can write a letter to the editor if it was wrong, you know, so um, obviously everything is a lot more immediate and, uh, organizations have the power to tell their own stories and that's um you know most organizations are doing very very good work there's very good people working there there's very good people supporting them and so they have a wealth of stories to be told and so um i think nonprofits are very very lucky in that way and um you know it, it can be a little overwhelming with all the various social media kind of tools um, but, to, you know, to focus on a blog, for example, uh, that tells your stories and tells your news, uh, to keep your social media channels, you know, focus on one or two that 
are relevant to your audience, keeping those up to date, uh, you know, maintaining an e-newsletter, a fresh web presence. Um, those are all important. And don't discount the, you know, the, the traditional news as well, you know, putting out, um, you know, local, your local newspapers, people still read those. Um, yeah. <laughs> Every Sunday they first. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. You know, even like your, you know, the weekly community papers, yeah. people, people do read those um, and they usually are looking for stories. So not everything needs to be in the New York times. Um, right. You can, really, <laughs> you can really build some good relationships with your local, uh, local reporters. Um, right. So it, it should be a fairly comprehensive uh, strategy, both online and offline to, uh, to maintain your presence. And I'm glad that you said that because a lot of times we focus so much on online because mm-hmm. we think that everything is just social media. Exactly. Yeah. That we forget that, there are people, they're a segment of the population who are, who's not interested in exactly, social yeah. media. Some, I have a friend my age wow. who has no social media pages. Yeah. None. Yeah. No, I mean, you cannot find her. You, <laughs> can't, you cannot find her anywhere wow. on the internet. She, she's lucky. Yes. She has decided <laughs> that she wants no part of it that's and okay. that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, everyone's going to, and that's the thing about knowing your audience, everyone Mm -hmm. is going to want to receive their information in a particular way. And so you need to have those different touch points. Uh, You know, you still need to send acknowledgement and appeal letters, you know, Mm -hmm. you should, uh, you know, you need to have some sort of event presence in the community, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe a breakfast event or lunch events that people can engage with you in open house. So there's, there has to be, um, a just a, a comprehensive calendar for the year of both right. online and offline ways you can engage your supporters and again tell tell your stories to them right and you're talking right to like i said that live i did this morning because that's mm-hmm. one of the things i talked about you know year end is coming up um people yep. focusing on the year end campaigns they're giving tuesday campaigns and I said it to one person. They were like, but it's so early. Yeah. Like, listen, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shopping. people, it's called Christmas in July. People are already shopping for December. And yeah. I said before, once July rolls around, you blink twice and it's December. Exactly. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. You, know? yeah, you need so to you, take a look at the year in advance. Exactly. Um, sure. Because yeah. it takes time to develop a relationship. Like you're talking about develop exactly. that relationship and find the right outlets to deliver that relationship, um, that information to, your prospective donors, your current donors, and the ones that you've lost, you Absolutely. know? Yeah. 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 And it, um, it takes, and it takes a long time, especially um, to kind of, to build relationships with, mm-hmm. yeah, with reporters to exactly. build up social media followings, mm-hmm. to plan campaigns out, to plan content out. Um, you know, you definitely, you want to be looking, you know, six months in advance. For exactly. Sure. Yeah. Cause I just put out a course called um, year end, um, what is it called? Year-end <laughs> fundraising superheroes bootcamp. Oh, so, great! Yeah, it takes them through yeah. the steps, month, you know, week by week, month by month, to get to that point. So, so at what point in time do you think that a nonprofit organization should um, contract a PR person? Do you think it should be in the beginning stages, middle? Like, when do they need to have one? Yeah, I, I think you know, don't wait until something goes wrong. <laughs> so. <laughs> That uh, I see that happen a lot. Um, you, you know, you want to, whenever an organization can afford it, I would say as they're starting to grow, starting to have uh, more of an external, uh, you know, making more of a, an effort to communicate externally, to, uh, you know, expand their reach, uh, 
they they need to start putting some money behind uh, having a, a communication strategic communications plan, you know, having someone dedicated to uh, you know ad, advancing their mission through again traditional media, social media, and, and keeping their eye on, on the ball with all of the um, chatter that's out there to making to make sure that their relationship uh, remains strong. Okay. Um... Do you feel that this needs to be like a full-time position that they create for someone like a communications mm-hmm. director or would the communications director be different from the PR director, from the PR person? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I, uh, organizations really struggle with that. Um, and, you know, I, I, I've done both. I've been in-house as a communications director um, and now obviously I've, you know, I have my own agency. Right. Um, you know, to start an organization is probably best uh, served by working with a freelancer um, who can, who has a little bit more flexibility and they also don't need a lot of, you know, time to get up to speed. They're, uh, you know, they're, they don't need to be trained in, you know, any sort of skills um, related to public relations um, and social media. So they just need to learn about the organization. So I think a freelancer is a really good way to go to start to get some, um, you know, some counseling and some coaching on how to put together a plan uh, and to talk about, you know, what the priority should be for the organization. Um, I think, I think that's great. And it, you know, a freelancer is a little bit more affordable than a firm. Um, You know, a a firm is fantastic if you can afford it. Um, You know, I I live in Boston, so it's a, it's a big city. So if you're engaging with a firm here, you know, you're probably looking at, you know, a minimum retainer. They usually work in a retainer model of, you know, five thousand seventy five hundred dollars a month um and usually they're they're going to want at least a a one-year contract you know six months to a year contract so it's a it's a huge investment whereas a freelancer it could be you know a typical freelancer is probably about 150 dollars an hour um so it could be a little bit more affordable and then they can fill in the gaps with you know if there's a junior level um you know coordinator position that can do some of the more tactical items um like the social media posts or something like that. Um, I think that's a good way to structure it. Um, you know, the, on the, the flip side, having a communications director, they typically get spread pretty thin. Um, in my experience, <laughs> you're usually a catch all for a, a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the act of media relations, the media relations component of public relations can kind of fall by the wayside because you're, you know, you're, you're updating the website, you're running social media, you're writing blogs, you're, you know, doing advocacy, you're doing publications, you're writing um, op-eds and speeches and things like that. So the time that you're working with, you know, reporters and building those relationships um, can, you know, that that's very tedious and time consuming. So larger organizations, they do spin off the PR role. Um, you know, they have like a PR manager, for example, that reports to a communications director. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've seen that, um, or communications director manages an external firm or freelancer. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's definitely an investment of time, um, mm-hmm. an investment of resources, but obviously, you know, like, like fundraising, you have to spend money to make money. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's, it's critical to have for a growing nonprofit to have, um, uh, strategic communications to have public relations on its radar. And again, don't wait till, you know, there's a, a bad article about you <laughs> in a local paper. Yeah. Uh, you want to build up that goodwill uh, in advance and have 
have a strategy in place, have some resources to draw on, have some goodwill built up uh, to, to weather the storms that inevitably come when you're you know, engaging with the public. Exactly. Because storms will come once you're dealing exactly. with people to people business. Um, things happen. People, you know, you think you're putting your best foot forward. And for whatever reason, somebody's disgruntled. They may not say anything to you, exactly. but they'll go on social media and they'll blast you. Exactly. So, um, <laughs> it can happen very uh it could happen very quickly unfortunately yes yes yeah. it can and then you're spending a lot of time trying to play cleanup and exactly yeah um one of the things that you said that i really liked was the fact that it you have to spend money in order to make money and a lot of people don't realize that so a lot of people may look at, at a pr person as an unnecessary expense mm -hmm for their organization. But a good point that you made was that you don't want to wait until something happens right. in order to try to fix it. You need to be ahead of the game all the time. So I, I really like that. And that's one of the things that I really think instead of getting um, a communications director, which is a full-time employee, where you have to pay benefits and all of that stuff for, right. maybe you might start off with a freelance um, PR person right. who can help you to get where you want to. Because I've worked with smaller organizations where the ED is trying to do everything. So they're exactly. sending out... Um, <clears throat> They're sending out press releases. They're trying to build relationships with newspaper um, reporters, with TV personalities, you know, with the local TV stations who, you know, they have those little shows like we have Good Morning Connecticut yeah. or something like exactly, that, yeah. you know, um, radio yeah, stations stuff, yeah. right. And um, it takes a lot of time and a lot of following up. And I see a lot of times they try to do it on their own and then they become overwhelmed. They become discouraged when they're not getting the calls mm -hmm. back immediately. And I'm like, you know, you just have to keep plugging away at it because yeah. it does take time. They have other stories that they're chasing as well. So yours may not be the one that they need right now, yeah. but at some point in time, they're going to need to fill a story and then they're going to come to you, but you have to keep, you know, reaching out and engaging. Exactly. You can't just send out a press release and then that's it. <laughs> yeah, it takes, it takes, it can take a long time to build those yeah. relationships and it's all about, it's about consistency and staying in front of them. And, you know, it, it's like, again, that's, it's very similar to fundraising and that it takes mm -hmm. a lot of touch points yeah. uh, and, you know, keeping, you know, keeping the news, uh, you know, the flow of news going out and uh, getting in front of people and, it can take a, it can take a while, and sometimes it's you know just luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> you know, sometimes you get that story, or you get that ten thousand dollar check, and you say, "We didn't, you know, how did we even know this person?" Um, right. <laughs> it's pure luck, but a lot of times it's you know it's keeping your head down and uh, being very consistent, um, sure, sure and steady. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, do you think that there's any major or are there any major um, differences between a PR in a for-profit organization versus PR in a nonprofit organization that you want to talk about? Um. Has fundraising become the F-bomb in your meetings? Does your team run for the hills at the mere mention of the word? Well, don't worry. I've got you covered with the year-end Fundraising Superheroes Bootcamp. If you want to take your board members, staff, and volunteers from running scared to the superheroes of revenue generation for the year-end and Giving Tuesday campaigns and beyond, then you need to click the link below and sign up for this program. Superheroes training starts August 1st. See you there.
you know, the, the skill set is, is very similar and the function and, you know, and tactics is really similar. Obviously, uh, you know, for, for a public company, there's an investor relations component. So uh, communicating with, um, you know, they, they obviously have, uh, you know, if it's a public company, they have shareholders. Um, so there's that, uh, that, that side to public relations. Um, but in terms of the for-profit, nonprofit, not really. I, I find that, um, you know, since the, you know, a nonprofit organization, uh, they, they have a very complex, you know, set of, um, you know, sometimes it is easier to just sell shampoo or, you know, <laughs> talk about we have this great shampoo or, you know, it's, <laughs> you know, the nonprofit uh, side of things can't, you know, it's very complex. You're, you're tackling sometimes some very complicated, very, um, you know, very complicated, complex, <laughs> sensitive issues that people yes. have really strong feelings about. Um, you know, you're talking, you know, poverty and racism and things that aren't being solved overnight um, that people have very, very strong opinions on um, for good or for worse. And so, um, it, you know, it, it can be, um, you know, they're, they're, it's a fantastic job that's, you know, it's always been my focus for the most part to work in nonprofit public relations. Um, but, you know, at the same time, sometimes you wish you could just sell some shampoo. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of us work in nonprofits feel like, you're like, oh, <laughs> um, I can sometimes imagine. you wish it could just be a little simpler than trying to, you know, sell a uh, world peace. But, um, yeah. but obviously we do this work because, you know, we are invested, um, in, in the missions um, and we're invested in, you know, making our communities better, our society better. And so, um, you know, I think for me, PR has been a great way to really share stories of organizations doing really good work um, and sharing stories about the people who are being helped. Um, Do you so mind sharing a story of, you don't have to name any company okay. names, but you know, a couple of scenarios of um, situations that you've had to go into a nonprofit and fix for them because of whatever happened, you know, whether it was <laughs> um, someone was, like you said, someone was just not happy that they weren't open at six o'clock and they wanted service at that time right, and right. whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, um, you know, I, I, I worked in uh, legal aid, uh, the Massachusetts Legal Assistance Corporation for a long time um, for, as their communications director. And uh, there was a lot of, uh, we, had, we always had to, you know, um, correct a lot of misconceptions about civil uh, legal aid versus criminal, uh, civil courts versus criminal courts, you know. Um, and so saying why, um, you know, why should someone have a lawyer if they're going to be evicted? Or why should a juvenile have an attorney that's, um, you know, being uh, going through the court system? And so, um, you know, a lot of people are dealing with these civil issues. Um, they didn't do anything wrong. They didn't commit a crime. Um, their landlord is trying to kick them out or their company is denying them unemployment benefits. And so there was a lot of public, uh, and I, I found it fascinating too. I wasn't really, you know, I, I, it wasn't, they weren't issues that I really had given a lot of thought to before I started working there. Um, and so there, there was a big um, public, you know, we, we did a lot of advocacy, a lot of, you know, we did a lot of opinion pieces. Um, you know, we did a lot of action alert uh, email campaigns. Um, we did, you know, we did legislative uh, lobbying events on at the state house here in Boston. Mm -hmm. um, so we had a very, uh, again, online and offline 
uh, campaign that we ran every year to uh, you know, drum up support for uh, civil legal aid and increasing our budget and providing attorneys and paralegals legal support to people going through um, some of the worst times in their lives. But, um, you know, there, and there was also, you know, there's always the, the trolls you have to contend with as well. Um, but that, I think that that experience is really um, fascinating just in terms of learning so much about our, our legal system and um, all the misperceptions around it and how it operates. Yeah, I think there is a lot of misconceptions around mm-hmm. the way our legal system works. Exactly, yeah. Because there's so many little nuances that people just can't mm-hmm. get it right. And that's why we need lawyers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and it's, um, you know, and, and the fact that, yeah, you're not entitled to uh, an attorney unless you can, you know, in a civil case, but you're entitled one in, in, in a criminal, criminal court. And so people are facing some of the worst times in their life and um, in their lives and they have no, they have no support and they can't pay for it. So, um, so it, it was a, a very fascinating, um, you know, look and inside how, how everything operates. And, um, you know, I, I really enjoyed uh, advocating for that organization and, and telling their stories because we had, you know, the stories, obviously, you know, if an attorney can help save someone's home and right. give them benefits that put them back on their feet. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, now we see with, you know, the immigration situation, you know, attorneys are reuniting families and being advocates for children who don't have a voice. And so, um, you know, there's obviously, there's organizations that are very, doing very, very critical work out there. um, And their stories need to be told and need to be told well and accurately. Right. Okay. Um, So uh, that was a great example. um, Because plays right into what's going on now in our Mm -hmm. society. That's a hot button topic. Exactly. (laughs) Um, So give me an example of how you would work with an organization. Let people kind of know what it's like to work Mm -hmm. with a PR. So if I was uh, a nonprofit organization, an ED and a nonprofit, and I was looking to hire a PR, um, not that we had a problem yet, but maybe Mm -hmm. I see a problem coming up or something and I reach out to you. And yeah, I, um, I hire you, what would you do when you come in? Like, how would you start? Yeah. So typically, um, you know, when we start engagements, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's getting to know the organizations. Um, it has to be wrapped into their, you know, strategic plan and priorities. So hopefully they have uh, some sort of process in place for, you know, what they're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Um, any sort of uh, their development plan. Um, if they have a fundraising plan, you know, who they're targeting, who they're, you know, who their, you know, key donor targets are, that's important to know. Um, and then we really, you know, we map out, um, you know, geography, you know, who their targets are. We start with the audience, um, you know, the kind of people they're targeting. Is it, um, you know, it's, is the donor audience, is it legislators, is it, you know, the, the media, is it, um, you know, corporations, so who they want to be engaging with, where those people are. Mm-hmm. Um, what they're, you know, reading, where, where they're on social media, um, you know, and then, uh, you know, conducting an audit. Um, so what they currently are doing, what they've done in the past, kind of what works, what hasn't worked. Uh, you want to take a look at their resources. You know, do they have a communications coordinator who can post on social media every day um, or an intern? You know, do they have, you know, what sort of, are they getting a, any sort of capacity building grants that could help fund this work? Mm-hmm. Um, kind of what they have available to kind of keep the operation going on a day-to-day basis. 
Um, and then we look at, you know, we map out stories and map out spokespeople. So what do they have to talk about? Um, what kind of issues do they want to engage in? Um, for example, I'm, I'm working with an organization now, Thompson Island Outward Bound here in Massachusetts, and um, they're very big on uh, summer being the quote unquote fifth semester for students, um, especially students in cities. Um, lower income students have much uh, fewer opportunities for uh, out of classroom activities like camps and sports and things like that. Mm -hmm. And that opportunity gap, they call it, um, yes. widens as they That's get older. Say, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> they, you know, so now we're engaged, we're engaging with them um, to put, you know, to put stories out there, to put them in the media around, uh, to talk about, you know, this is a thought leadership piece around summer being the fifth semester that, you know, we can't afford for students to watch TV and play video games, even though that's, <laughs> even though that's what they want to do, yeah. um, that that learning time over the summer is really critical. So finding those issues you can tap into um, those conversations, you know, and it has to be timely, you know, obviously it's summer now, we're already starting back to school stories. <laughs> right. Like we talked about, you know, the, the, the year goes quick. So you have to kind of map out like, okay, we can, you know, in August, we're going to be starting back to school. And then, mm -hmm. you know, so you have to start, you know, planning out the year. And then the spokespeople um, that you have to work with, not, it may not necessarily be your executive director. Um, it could be a program director or, um, you know, you have to kind of balance who would be the best uh, person, you know, not everybody is comfortable um, or skilled at talking to the media. So it may be, it may not be the EG if he or she, um, you know, may, may be more comfortable behind the scenes. Maybe that person is a better writer. So maybe they enjoy writing op-eds. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's someone who's a little bit more dynamic who would take more of the, any kind of broadcast opportunities or interview opportunities. So um, so thinking through those issues and then, um, you know, again, looking at the year and kind of plotting out um, stories and activities, um, looking at events that we can leverage, issues we can leverage. Mm -hmm. Then you always, you know, you need to keep your um, eye on the news and what's happening and where you can uh, dip in um, to be a resource. Um, I have an organization I'm working with. They uh, do mind, they uh, talk a lot about uh the role, uh, the importance of mindfulness, teaching mindfulness to children, especially children experiencing trauma. Right. And, um, you know, obviously now, again, with the news in terms of the, um, the immigration um, issues, you know, the, the, you know, how traumatized, traumatized children, those, that effects can last for generations. And so um, how mindfulness can help children heal from trauma and kind of prevent that, uh, intergenerational trauma to, you know, to carry on. And so uh, they're looking at engaging in uh, some of those conversations around how we can help children with mindfulness. So it's, you know, you want to keep an eye on the news, <laughs> keep an eye on the social media chatter and determine where you're comfortable kind of engaging in conversations, um, perhaps on the state or national level that might, you know, that you might be able to, to get some, uh, get some coverage around. Okay. So is one of the things that you do, um, do you help them to create like promotional videos that uh, directly talks about the issues that their nonprofit organization has or their mission, their vision? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I mean, we usually start, you know, it depends on how comfortable they are with their language. That's an important component of the planning process as well. Um, if they, do they have key messages they're comfortable with? Um, are they comfortable with their mission, vision, value statements, their talking points, elevator pitch? 
Right. Um, I do a lot of that work. Um, some, some organizations are, say like, oh, actually, you know, we're pretty good at that stuff. We just need to kind of clean, clean things up a little bit. So if they already have that foundation, um, then we'll kind of start on the production of, th- of actual, if they need stuff, you know, if they need a video, if they need um, a printed, you know, an annual report, which, you know, not so many people are doing printed materials anymore. Um, but video is a great, um, you know, obviously a fantastic storytelling tool. Um, and, you know, like you mentioned, Facebook Live, um, Facebook Live, I, I did two Facebook Live um, broadcasts of events recently. And, you know, we were just blown away by the engagement of the, um, of the Facebook Live videos. And they both were events that were not open to the public. So, you know, supporters could be, you know, just tuning in at home. Um, and so those are great, you know, every, like I say, like everyone has, you know, a, you know, video capabilities right in their hand with their phone. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> it's so easy now. And to, you know, I try to encourage nonprofits to not be scared of, you know, not everything has to be an eight minute gala video that you're showing, you know, you right. can just do a little <laughs> snippet of, of a, know, an activity. Exactly. You know, um, you know, if you're, you know, Facebook, you know, if you're touring a, maybe you have a, um, if you do affordable housing, you know, a tour of the, the new structure or the new building, or, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you, obviously you need to get permission, but you know, if any, um, you know, you can do little, uh, interviews with clients and, uh, you know, staff supporters, you know, to have some fun with it and not have it, um, you know, be so staged or so perfect. Um, right. so that's, yeah, that's, that's people like authenticity. Exactly. And that's, I think that's the direction things are going. I mean, there's definitely a place for more for produced sure. video yes. if people have the money for it. Um, yeah. it's, it's fantastic, but I think you can definitely sprinkle in, um, a little bit more, again, the fun and the personality. And I yeah. think it's not always comfortable for organizations to think like that. Um, you know, but I think that tide is turning a little bit. I think the initial is like, wait, you're putting this on live. We're not going to be, able to... <laughs> but you know, how are we going to edit this? Um, what if something happens? Um, and so you just kind of have to roll with it and have fun with it. But, um, but yeah, video is an incredibly, incredibly powerful way for nonprofits to get their stories out there. And you made a very good point, and it's something that I bring up all the time to organizations. You must have that media release signed. You cannot put your um, clients in pictures, on videos. You cannot use their names unless they give you explicit permission to do so. Absolutely. No, absolutely. I'm glad you mentioned that. And make sure it's translated, too, if you are serving populations who don't speak English. Yes, 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 yes. Your brochures, your website, everything should be translated into the... from English into the popu- the language that your population speaks. Exactly. Um, yeah. That's important. To yeah. Be, again, to be for, fair. <laughs> for kids, I'm really sensitive around children, as most people are um, sensitive around children appearing in promotional and mm-hmm. promotional, you know, videos and um, brochures and things like that. So um, to make sure that there is, you know, explicit permission. And then even beyond that, you know, it's just trying to have a sensitive take on it. Um, you know, I think there's some creative photography options of, you know, you can film people from the back or yes. photograph their hands and there's mm-hmm. different tricks you can use. But, um, but, you know, as long as um, it's, it's very clear that, um, that you do have permission to yeah. uh, share stories and photos of children. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I mean, that's all the questions I have. Is there something else that you want to <laughs> talk about? Yeah, um, no, I, anything um, else that you want to hit on? 
Or yeah, you just I would want to iterate some of the points that you made about hiring a PR person and working with a PR, not waiting until something happens. Yeah, I would, I'd say proactive. that's probably the biggest, you know, I think, again, it's, it's the media landscape has changed so dramatically. And um, again, we're not, we're no longer, you know, sitting around and waiting for the local paper to write about us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it, you know, I, I think it's encouraging now. Um, it's encouraging nonprofits to start thinking about their communications in a different way. And I I would just encourage people to not to be afraid to, you know, tell their own stories. Um, And so I know it's obviously a capacity issue at at nonprofits, but, um, but, you know, I always tell people like a blog post, you know, only needs to be 500 words. It just needs to be, you know, your thoughts about something, it shouldn't be perfect. It's not a white paper. You know, your video doesn't need to be perfectly produced. It can be, a, again, a little Facebook Live or a little clip. Right. Um, you know, you can shoot, you know, make sure, if photos I'm a little pickier with, but, you know, there's, <laughs> you know, you want to be a little uh, selective about photos you share. But, again, ha- have some fun with it. Show some personality. Tell your stories. You know, try and build relationships with reporters um, and think of ways to create news for yourself. And I would say, you know, you can try and give an award or leverage, you know, send send photos to um, leverage your events by sending photos to local papers. They love those, you know, um, partner with other organizations to write op-eds or uh, to write, you know, guest posts on each other's blogs. So, um, you know, kind of keep the wheels turning to think of ways you can get your story out there. You don't want to kind of um, sit back and hope people share your, share your uh, story for you. You want to get ahead of it um, and, and share your own story. Mm-hmm. Um, to add to that, also building community partners, um, whether it's small business owners or corporate. Exactly, have- yeah. Whoever you build community partners with, let the community know so that they know that this um, particular company is supporting your nonprofit organization. Remember, it's a give and take, you know, people looking for return on investments. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times, too, like if you're partnering with an organization, um, you know, have that. They usually have, hopefully have (laughs) um, some more resources uh, if you're partnering with a business or you're getting a grant or some money from a business, Mm -hmm. um, you know, have them you know, post it on their social media or in their newsletter or, yes. you know, send out a press release. Um, so kind of make sure you leverage, um, leverage those relationships as well. And just, just ask what, you know, Hey, we have some photos of, you know, the check presentation. Do you think you can, you know, share these? Um, and so, you know, you look for opportunities to, um, to work with your yeah partners, your donors mm-hmm. and see where you can get, um, you can kind of have your story be spread even further. Right. And um, also, um, one of the things I like to tell nonprofit organizations, you should be collecting stories as you go along the way. Exactly. So a PR person should not come in or a communications person shouldn't come into your organization. Mm-hmm. And you have nothing to present to them. Every yeah, that's that's you, an important point. Yeah. Every day that your door is open, something is happening. There's a story happening on a daily basis. You have to choose what the highlights are of that story and document them so that when it does come time to um, for those social media posts, for those videos, exactly. you know, radio or reporter calls, right, radio yeah. opportunities or reporter calls yeah. that you have, you can just go into your file, look at Absolutely. it, oh, I remember this, let me talk about it. You know, and again, like we said before, that's a fantastic point. Exactly. <laughs> I have a great anecdote around that. One of my clients, uh, a former client that was a, a food bank, 
mm-hmm. they, uh, during um, the economic downturn, they got a call from Oprah or Oprah's production uh, folks <laughs> and said, you know, we want a family who was formerly middle class, but now has turned to a food bank. And they gave some parameters around how many people need to be in the family, some of the demographic information about the family, because they were looking to fill a certain slot. Data collection. And this they couldn't. Data collection. Exactly. And they any couldn't data. find anybody. Oh. So they missed their opportunity to be on Oprah. And so they've been. And I'm sure they had time. tons of families. That Absolutely. They, they just yes. couldn't think. They couldn't think of who fit the bill and, you know, they had a tight turnaround. So that's why I always say, like, just, you know, get, get the stories, get them organized, get them in a certain, you know, one specific place, have one person be the owner of it, you know, have all photos, video clips, you know, in one folder and then have a spread. I, I encourage a spreadsheet, spreadsheet, to have yes, spreadsheet <laughs> saying, you know, with all your, okay, this, you know, with yep. the names, ages, demographic info, do we have a waiver signed? Would they be good, a good spokesperson at an event? Would they be good with the media? No, they would be better for this. You know, so, and having notes on the, so having um, your stories cataloged and shared in a common space and, you know, access, collected access, you know, the story collection should be part of, you know, a standard, you know, a standard staff meeting, checking right. out anymore. Right. You know, I love all, that. You know, right. Once every other week saying, hey, does anybody have good stories? You know, mm-hmm. because the person doing the communications and fundraising is obviously not on the front lines. Right. They're not seeing those stories every day like frontline staff is. So there needs to be a communications mechanism um, and play a policy in place to get those stories back to the organization so they can package them and <laughs> put them out there right. in the world. I absolutely so. love this because that's one of the things I focus on a lot is telling nonprofit leaders that you need to collect these stories and you should have that database. There is no reason that anyone should come into your organization and ask you something that's um, demographic about your the people you serve and you can't answer absolutely. it. That yeah, absolutely. Have service you, collection. you need it for grant writing. You yeah. need it for when reporters come in. You need it for donors. Sometimes donors come to you and they ask you for that information because they exactly. really know. Do you know what's going on in your organization? And when it comes to that too, I also tell them that um, board members should also come and interact with the population because tell stories as well they should, when they're going out because they have their own personal fundraising that mm-hmm. they need to do when they're talking to people their friends their families whoever they're going to try to collect monies from yeah. they need to be um knowledgeable Absolutely. about what's going on and that they need to be, have those anecdotes on, right. in their back pocket and the say, only way they can do that yeah. is to interact with the population yeah and they need to be, have training too i, I do yes. Um, board, oh, yes. yeah i do trainings for board and staff mm-hmm. around key messages around elevator pitches mm-hmm. um we do uh we just did one last week where you know we did um with a with a staff we do do a we call it a mocktail party you know, we gave people different personas and we had them practice doing the yes. elevator pitches, answering questions about the organization. Um, and then I always tell people to have a couple anecdotes in their back pocket to illustrate mm-hmm. their work because that's what people remember. And, you know, I always say politicians are really good at that. You know, they yes, say, they are. <laughs> I met Betty at this cafe in Iowa and she told, you know, and so having those, you know, just two or three little ways, you know, oh, we helped this, you know, kid last year. He was so, you know, and, and just to be able to rattle off a, a little story here and there to really illustrate the work is so important because people connect with people. They remember stories. Um, if you sit there like we provide, you know, X number right. of meals, you know, that stuff is, that stuff isn't what you remember. So, um, you know, have, yeah, have key messages, have an elevator pitch, have language that is, 
you know, have, have good language for your organization and make sure people <laughs> use it and they know yes. where it is. They're not no jargon, up, just regular language. They're not making up their own language. Yes. <laughs> um, they're not out there doing their own thing. Um, mm -hmm. And, and uh, yeah, have that, have a document accessible, train people on how to talk about the organization and have stories and, you know, a couple of stories in your back pocket for sure. That's very critical for, you know, we call it brand, you know, being brand ambassadors. Anybody who yes. cares about your organization as an ambassador and they mm -hmm. need to be able to, you know, provide that public, um, provide that public face to it. And um, right. it's important that they And a lot of times ambassadors become fundraisers. So they oh, yeah, really yeah. need to know what is going on in your organization. And they, like you said, they need to know the elevator pitch. They need to have those anecdotal stories. They yeah. need to know what's going on with your population. Cause a lot, a lot of your um, donor, your donations can come from brand ambassadors. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people yeah, sleep on brand ambassadors, yeah. but they can be, crucial to the financial success of your organization but it all goes back to relationships are you building out those relationships with them or are you taking adv advantage of them or discarding them and thinking that they're not worthy of your organization so. exactly yeah, you, you just yeah you never know you know who people are going to meet who they're going to interact with um on your behalf and so you know everybody should be should be prepared um, to the degree they can. So it's, it's really important now, again, offline and on online, you need to kind of be aware of um, what's being said about you and to make sure it's a, it's a strong, you know, accurate portrayal of who your organization is and what you stand for. Right. All right. That's great. Yeah. I really love that. I love the last part yeah. a lot because those are like the key, the key, components of a successful nonprofit organization is that data collection and a lot of nonprofit organizations thinks it's so tedious to actually collect those um the data yeah. that they yeah. don't and like it definitely said, pushed aside. moment can yeah. happen and <laughs> I, don't think that, I, don't, I think that oprah anecdote is i tell that all yeah. the time because i mean they literally they've been kicking themselves for like 10 years of course <laughs> an oprah moment can yeah. happen and you don't have the information yeah. to readily give it to that um producer that called yeah. you bam you missed the moment because you failed to collect data yeah, exactly. When I come so, in as a grant, writer or, <laughs> yeah, a grant writer or a, or a fundraiser or even to do strategic planning and you don't have data, it makes my job 10 times harder because exactly. now we have to backpedal and we have to go back from the beginning and try to collect data in order to move forward. Yeah, so. same with, yeah, same with that. Mm -hmm. PR person or communications yep. person. So. so Brianne, let my audience know how they can find you. Thank you. Um, so I have a website at kindcommunications.com, K-I-N-D communications.com. And uh, that has a little bit about me on it. But uh, thank you so much for listening. I'm always happy to um, if, provide advice, have a chat if you have any questions. So please don't hesitate to uh, reach out if you uh, need some help around this. I know it's, it's very overwhelming uh, for a lot of organizations to tackle. And so I'm happy to be a resource. Okay, great. All right, guys, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Nonprofit Biz Talk. And thank you, Brianne Myers, for being my guest today and <laughs> talking you, about PR, you, you know, something that a lot of nonprofits don't even think that they need. Exactly. They really do. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thanks. Okay. Uh, let's see. I got to close this. Okay, Nonprofiteers, that's it for today. Thank you for joining us. 
And remember that there's someone in your community counting on the services that your nonprofit organization offers, and it is your job to make sure that you get it right. Until next time, I'm Tracy V. Allen. Thank you.